0: Welcome to episode 44 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. As usual, I'm just so thrilled you're joining my fabulous mystery guest and me on The Playground today. Switching it up a little bit, if you are listening to the podcast and we are not yet connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi. I'd love to connect. In fact, on all sorts of social media, to be honest. And in the doghouse today, we are shining the spotlight on the rescue organization Dogs in Brazil. It's a street dog rescue focusing on extreme hard luck cases, healing and rehabilitation, and finding homes with loving families across the globe. In 2019, they expanded to include cats, two cattle, and two horses. Founders Jan and Carlos Cabral have been rescuing Brazilian street dogs since 2001, with their own funds, Dogs in Brazil was born after the catastrophic Rio de Janeiro mudslides in 2011, when the region was devastated and their livelihood lost. Today, Dogs in Brazil is solely supported by the generous donations from global supporters who share their ideals that every life is worth saving. Why Brazil, you may ask? Because that is where this week's fabulous mystery guest hails from. Welcome to the Playground, Leonardo Ferreira di Pietra. Welcome, Leonardo. It is such a pleasure to have you join me, join us on the Playground today. And just to give context, because the listener knows context is really important. You and I met each other a few years ago when you were a mentee in the FIN, which stands for Federal Internship for Newcomers Program, and I was a FIN mentorship facilitator with OCISO. And from the moment, and I, I'm sure I've told you this before, from the moment that you and I connected, I just had this, this feeling of connection with you. I have liked you from the get-go, and for ha- to have you uh, hanging out with me on the playground today is very, very special. And I'm going to read your about section because, again, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of yours. You are a fabulous mystery guest. And your LinkedIn about section says, an internationally trained professional, known for my sense of teamwork and commitment to the workplace vision. I am constantly decodifying what ikigai, which is a Japanese word meaning a reason for being, means to me. Following my master's degree in public administration, I became passionate about how to combine my legal education with policy development and analysis in environmental matters. Welcome, 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 Leonardo.
1: Thank you very much, Tanya. It's, uh, well, these warm, welcoming words are really like... Uh... I, I cannot say the word exactly because it's so <laughs> uplifting, I think. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a nice opportunity to be here and chat with you about my professional career, my day today, how, how I'm working and how things evolved since I started working. And thanks for the, the words uh, of mystery. It's not too mysterious, but still we have to keep some things to yourself, right? <laughs>
0: I love every, I love saying my fabulous mystery guest and I feel like one day I'm going to say why I say that, but I'm not going to say that today. Maybe I'll leave that for the episode 50. (laughs) Um, (laughs) A little bit of mystery right there. And so, yeah, this is all about pivoting, purpose, plan and pivot. So question for you, where did you grow up? And what was high school like for you?
1: Yeah, so this is a, an interesting question, like describing my career since I started studying actually in South America. So I studied in more specifically in the big country, Brazil, and I lived in a big city, which was 2 million people in my hometown. And that was the environment where I grew up in high school. That's where I attended high school. It is it all happened in the 80s and 90s. So it's pretty much what used to be around the world as a medium. You, you can quite maybe picture how uh, high school was there at that time. But uh, the difference, in my opinion, was that in that environment in Brazil, there was a big delay in technologies and best practice in education. So what that means is that despite the all the technologies and everything that was happening in other countries, we still were way behind in terms of catching up and and getting uh, the best practice in in education. Despite that delay, I can say that I received a very thoughtful education. It was really, like for me, like a gift that my parents were able to provide me. Mm-hmm. And not only for the content of what I received in in high school, but like uh, like high school was really focused on a human development when I attended, and where specifically the school that I attended. So at the end, I think as a consequence of and and as a good consequence of that, I I'm really high on humanities, and I really like the human sciences, specifically philosophy. So these things is. They are pretty much like what I inherited from my high school education.
0: Hmm. And so here, here's just a question: Is it a typical uh, a four year experience, or is it longer than that, or shorter?
1: It is a longer experience because it starts. Uh, I would say seven, seven years. Hmm. Yeah, high school is seven years in Brazil because you have to take three years of like between high school and whatever next step would be but this three years is considered like a preparation for the the following steps.
0: Hmm. And so when you graduated Mm -hmm. did you know what you were going to do in your life? Is there that same sense of of panic and pressure that young people put on themselves or that society puts on young people to make them think that they need to know what they're going to be for the rest of their lives?
1: Yeah, it is kind of a general concern for many parents, uh, and, and it was not different. What you're saying is exactly what I experienced when I was mm-hmm. in high school, because the culture of attending university is very strong in Brazil. So at mm-hmm. that point, at that 80s and 90s, it was really a requirement that people needed to attend university, whatever go-to doctors, uh, lawyers, or medicine, or whatever, uh, odontology, whatever graduate study. And I think graduate study is the key word because it corresponds to graduate studies in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, and because of that, uh, I was personally already planning to go to law school. So I was planning to go to law school even when I was in my last years of high school Because I wanted, and this is the thing, uh, this detail of attending a law school was not because I wanted to be a lawyer, but because I wanted to go to diplomacy. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
0: you wanted to be a diplomat?
1: Yeah, that was my, um, I would say, my main objective in high school. I wanted to be a diplomat, and in order to be a diplomat, you would have to have a graduate diploma. Hmm. So, because graduate could be uh, law school, I decided to go to law school. That said, and this is kind of a follow-up to your question, but I ended up being a registered lawyer and I practiced law for more than 10 years in Brazil.
0: See, that even just freaks me out to think that you were a lawyer for 10 years. I would not have given you 10 years... I'm saying that you're young looking, is what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: That's kind of you. That's really kind. But yeah, the experience that I had, because I had a graduate a gra- graduate diploma from Brazil, it's really, um, there's no price to it. It's really something valuable to my career nowadays. And I really thank my parents for having encouraged me to finish high school and go to university.
0: Okay. Question, what about the people who aren't academically inclined? What do they do?
1: When we talk about the 80s or 90s in, in that environment, they would, 99% uh, this group would attend university, whatever uh, university they chose. And they were the there, there used to be the preferred ones, like which give you a mm-hmm. higher status in society, and others that would consider less uh, with a less status. But mm-hmm. the important thing was to attend whatever graduate studies, so that you would have some more opportunities in your career in, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Maybe this has changed in the last couple of years, and especially after the pandemic. But mm-hmm. in general, the culture of going to university is very strong.
0: I've definitely seen that through the the Brazilian folks that I've that I've had the the joy and pleasure of of getting to meet and learn from. Question for you about the legal world in Brazil. Do you have different types of law like there's like here family law, criminal law, you know, real estate, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yes, yes, we we have the Codified law for all of the fields. So, because it's a codified law, you would tend to have multiple uh, fields, and especially when we're talking about civil code and all the subfields that would follow from that, like uh, civil procedure and stuff that would be like would flow from the the big branches of the law. But yeah, family law as well, and particularly myself, I concentrated my studies and my efforts in labor law, which is not too developed. There is no specific field in North America, I would say, because of the difference in the, the legal systems. But labor law is really strong. And that's where I focus my efforts. Why? Uh, I think the, the main purpose was to try to balance the two sides of the uh, equation. When I say two sides of the equation is given the huge uh, economic differences in Brazil, the employer versus the employee and all those battles and all those things that would eventually lead to a weaker side. And that's where I would play in trying to rebalance this, this equation. That is the main reason, but it, it's also a very interesting part of the, the legal. Uh, legal field because labor law has also sociology and also has like philosophy of the labor
0: law. Mm. I did not know that. I didn't think of that like that. It Uh, makes sense because you have an interest and and passion for philosophy and those human sciences and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. So I love the next question because Mm. it's very broad. It embraces and encompasses a lot how have you pivoted in your life?
1: Yeah, so I really enjoyed and, and this kind of reflection for me, like self-reflection, is so important, especially at this time of the year. I'm not sure if the recording will capture it, mm-hmm. but we are in December. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I was wondering the the way that how things evolve in life and the transitions that we decide to implement and. For me, as I described my transition from law in Brazil to public administration in Canada, it started in 2009 when I started researching about the legal professions in Canada and how I could explore that. So that started in 2009 Mm -hmm. and ended in 2019, because that's when I got my diploma in public administration. So in this 10 year period, I researched, I planned my career development, my transition from law to public administration. And also I took lots of decisions, many decisions that started having an impact on my life uh, since then. And in this 10 year period, I've described the, the change it's it's something that i i think have has an impact on my way of life nowadays why because i have a very good work life quality nowadays which i did not used to have as a lawyer and i'm sure that because of this goal which was to have a more balanced life and to have like being able to do and accomplish other things other than only work Mm-hmm. So I think this addresses a little bit of how I pivoted in life. And the most important for me, Tony, was that the turning point in this change was while I was already in Canada in 2013. Mm-hmm. And the specific thing that happened was the change when I changed from the paralegal course to the master's program. The reason was basically because I did not want to be uh restricted to an area, a geographical area as a paralegal and then I would have to be registered in one or multiple associations, uh, law associations throughout the country in order to be able to practice law. Mm. So I decided to go broader and do a master's program which was much more universal and and because it would allow me to work from anywhere in the country or even abroad i decided to go to the masters program
0: okay now i think that people might be wondering how you found yourself uh moving from the the lovely and and warm climates in brazil mm-hmm. to the rather typically much colder in wintertime climate of of ottawa
1: yeah that's the that's a big pivot as well and to be honest, and all when we're talking about this time of the year, which is typically white Christmas. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're having less white Christmas as we go, but that's the dream. I would say the dream of any Brazilians who are living in the uh, hot weather in December and Christmas is hot. So we have. All the hot weather, you can go to the beach at this time of the year, but we're mm-hmm. always dreaming. And it was kind of something that we had in our stories as a child. We have always the white Christmas and we have all of these, uh, these things. And I think that, uh, it was really something that was within my brain from an early mm-hmm. uh, child until my teenage years and into my adult life to, experience all of these seasons. And it might sound a bit, I would say, childlike to think of this and just live all of the four seasons of the year.
0: I appreciate that. I don't think it sounds childlike. I think it sounds whimsical. And and quite a few people have said that that, you know, one of the reasons that they've chosen to come to Canada is because they wanted to experience all of those different seasons. And so it's—I've uh, definitely heard that before, but okay. I'm always intrigued by why people make the decision to come to the Ottawa area and and not go, for instance, to Vancouver or down to the states.
1: Yeah. So the the reason was probably uh, linked to the my career choices because. As I had already planned before, I was going into the public administration and what city would have the best opportunities for public administrations, Mm -hmm. Ottawa, Gatineau. So Ottawa, Gatineau, the national capital region, was really the one that myself, I had already planned as my target to just settle in. And that's where I actually ended up uh, landing and doing my landing when I arrived and have ever since... Live here.
0: I love that, but you also pivoted because you, when you got here, you eventually got into the Fin program. Yeah, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, actually uh, something that it really opened many many doors in the federal government. I as a, a public employee nowadays, I am really thankful for the Fin program. Why? Because not only did it open the doors, but also all of the formal procedures and the first steps. And most important, even the mentorship program that was offered as uh, something that all of the mentees and the program participants could have. So I had one mentor. That's where everything started for me in the federal government because of the thing program.
0: I love that. And as a Canadian taxpayer, I'm so glad you are part of the government because Mm. you offer so much. You have a a lot of of value to contribute. You and I could talk about all of this for a long time. I'm going to ask you, what brings you joy? Yeah,
1: it's a short question, but has so much to answer, and I'm pretty sure I'll have to stop. A bit before I'm, um, <laughs> we, we, we probably run out of time, but I think work life balance is my main, what, what really brings me joy, like being able and capable of accomplishing many projects, not only work related, but also anything in your personal life or any family related project. So this is something that. The government has uh, uh, provided me as kind of a work-life balance. Uh, so far, I have been lucky—maybe lucky, but I have I have made efforts to do that as well. But for example, not only working uh, seven hours per day, but also being able to, example, volunteer in an immigrant serving organization. As mm. we mentioned uh, before, I, I I worked for with OCSO as a. A mentor for a couple of months and this is something that really brings me joy like how many hours per week how many hours per month can I dedicate to this project Um, it, it really makes me feel integrated into society so this is one thing the most important that brings me joy but also acknowledgement for the work that I perform I think it's Mm -hmm. uh, something that many professionals and I am particularly I think it it really contributes to my happiness nowadays.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, the listener knows how much I pay attention and I live according to the colors, the true colors. Mm -hmm. And you are so gold. You are such a planner. I have Mm -hmm. so much admiration for your ability to be to be able to look at that ten years and create and set a goal for yourself and take the time that you need that you needed to achieve it, mm-hmm. I think that's so cool.
1: Well, thank you for the compliment, and, and it's actually something that it, it's it's a just a, a feedback. For me, as you're speaking and in my brain, this sounds really as a a feedback that people may or may not be able to say like you're saying, but others on the other side, less as me as a newcomer would think that it's impossible to do what I have accomplished in 10 years, but it is possible. And as you're saying, it is something that takes planning, effort, but it's really worth it. But thank you again, Tanya.
0: So, okay. So the work-life balance and the volunteering. And you know, I am childlike. I am whimsical and silly. When it comes to, I don't know, I just look out into the world and, and try to bring joy into it. It's a pretty dismal kind of place right now with a lot of pain and suffering. You know, I find joy in the most ridiculous of places. Like, you know, when you're parking and there's a pull-through parking spot, which means that you don't have to back up and you can just like pull through and then go straight out. I love those. I love pull-throughs. What about that's you? Good. What's one of the most like silly kind of things that brings you joy?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I think when I'm in, uh, driving to work and I listen to my favorite song, uh, and, and it which is... Oh, I would say many of Madonna songs, hey. <laughs> many of them. I wouldn't name one, but yeah, because why? Because it just brings me uh, back good memories from my teenage years in Brazil and like th- those uh, innocent years uh, of, mm-hmm. of what you would consider your world to be. And, it, and I think it just brings me back and gives me uh, like a warm feeling inside that uh, things are on their track. Um, and this is one example. I cannot think of another one at this point. I'm looking up and trying to <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know what? I know exactly how the how you feel about that because when I'm hearing one particular well, pretty much any Springsteen song, mm. but what I think racing in the street when I don't know there's just the, the riff like the opening bars. It's just when I hear it, it's like, oh, all right, everything's right in the world now. Yeah. Like it's just this. It's a one. It's a wonderful feeling. So now this, I love for you especially. I really am intrigued by where you're going to take this. Mm. What advice would you give your younger self, or or maybe of uh, just other random younger people?
1: Mm-hmm. I would need to think uh, like many, many aspects or uh, elements of it, but uh, I would say in general, the advice would be just plan, plan. I would say a bit of planning It, mm-hmm. it what takes you a longer way. And, and I think based on my 20 plus years of work experience, it's it, including my Brazilian experience, my Canadian experience. Uh, this is just something that I would say, Leonardo, you are a young professional, just plan your career. That's what will lead you to a better place. Why? Because it really involves like milestones and the outputs. What are the results that you want? What do you want to get out of each of your work experiences? It should definitely not be just uh, time wasted. It should be something that you want to be proud of. When you accomplish one example, I've I've just remember this from my teenage years, young adult actually. When I started university, I worked for two months in a hotel, in a like five star hotel, as in the reception, as a reception clerk, mm-hmm. and it was actually my first work experience, like in in a formal, in a formal uh, with a formal contract and so and so, but it's something that. It was a plan at all. It was just a random experience, but I still have good memories of it. So I think planning is one aspect of it. And nowadays, uh, if uh, I were in the job market and if I were to recommend or make any kind of suggestion, I would say that a career in information technology, I would definitely go for one career in this big World that is called IT, but even more challenging nowadays is artificial intelligence. So, mm-hmm. I would strongly recommend myself as a young professional to go into artificial intelligence.
0: Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Now, when you said plan, I wrote those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Have you heard that expression?
1: Uh, no, and mm-hmm. It's uh, Is it someone or a quote from like a, any kind of, um, I haven't heard, where, where is that? It
0: is, it is a quote from somebody famous. I do not know off the top of my head. I will put it down in the show notes. I will do the research and find out who said it. I really like it. Because I think it was an entrepreneur who said that. I And I also like the idea of IT and drilling it down to artificial intelligence. I totally get that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, because it's, uh, as we're talking about changes in the world, and as we have seen in, and even more exponentially in the last couple of years, the as the speed of change is going to increment so much that if the professions that we have nowadays, they are not to exist, I think artificial intelligence and whatever groups or subgroups in this big new world, uh, how how they will be structured, I think that's where people will have jobs and where there will be professions and occupations and all, all kind of work related to that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm not in the time of my like to start this new pathway, but if I were younger, that's where I would go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so again, you and I could talk for a long, long time, and we will. But my question, the last question is, uh-huh. what is your favorite quote or motivational words?
1: Hmm. The main basis for my career, as we're talking about planning. I would say one that is really related to planning is adaptability. And there's Mm -hmm. one important quote from Mahatma Gandhi, who is for me was one of the most important uh, philosophers from like recent history. He says, adaptability is not imitation. It means the power of resistance and assimilation. So if we're talking about planning, Being able to adapt to new situations. As a mentee or as a mentor, we're always interacting with people. And this kind of interactions, they will lead you to capture and keep the words or feelings or reactions from your persons that you're interacting with. But it is important to keep the good ones, the positive ones. This is Mm -hmm. why. It means that you need to resist to the bad ones and readapt whatever the person said or the person, how the person reacted to your own world and being able to re-signify it to yourself. That's what this quote means to me.
0: It makes me think of the idea of unlearning something. If it isn't you know suitable for you if it's not if it's not a good fit for for you or if, if it's not a good fit for where we are in the world now we need to as a society kind of unlearn the things that we've grown up with or that have been around for decades or hundreds of years or whatever and we need to be able to learn and again be adaptable and and flexible, and all of those descriptions or descriptors to be able to embrace something that's a, a better, a better fit for us. Kind of like living authentic, like living authentically.
1: Absolutely, Tonya. I think the, the your words really describe this very complex. I would say even uh, like a very sophisticated uh, mental scheme that I, I had. I had tried to. Yeah. So. You have really like done the job of simplifying the very complex philosophical system. Congrats!
0: <laughs> You're very sweet. Uh, because I was just trying to, I was just trying to m- make that kind of accessible to my brain. Because a, I like Gandhi, and which makes me think, what other philosophers do you? okay there's I, I have to tell you my favorite uh emperor is Marcus Aurelius he was a stoic do you have a particularly favorite emperor or is that just me because I'm crazy <laughs>
1: not because you're crazy <laughs> but uh, I I would say I haven't I don't have a favorite uh, philosopher maybe Platus like from mm. Yeah, so he would be one of my favorite ones to go to for reading. But I really like maybe the ones that interpreted the old philosophers, for example, Heidegger, or um, even when you're talking about psychoanalysis, uh, mm-hmm. we would, would have many that have interpreted Freud. So mm. all of these philosophers. But yeah, I, I would say maybe Lacan, uh, which is a French one that interpreted Freud. He would be one mm-hmm. of my favorites. But, yes. Uh, I, I like uh, Jacques Lacan.
0: I'm going to check him out. I'll put him on the show notes too. Leonardo, I think you're so fabulous. When I oh, say that. fabulous mystery guest, man, that's you. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Tonya, it was an amazing time spent with you. I'm really uh, grateful for your invitation. And hopefully we'll talk, continue the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. And because it is December, I wish you and yours an absolutely incredible new year.
1: Thank you. You as well. All the best.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the playground today, Leonardo. Here are 10 things I learned from our hangout in no particular order. Number one, a university education is exceptionally important in Brazil and can open a lot of doors. Number two, an academic background in law does not necessarily mean a career as a lawyer. Three, Leonardo wanted to be a diplomat, and for the record, would have been an incredible one. Four, the importance of planning. Five, being able to experience the four seasons is a reason some people want to move to Canada and actually move to Ottawa. Number six, Leonardo loves Madonna and loves listening to her songs because they take him back to his adolescence. And it's nice to remember those times. Number seven, public administration is an excellent pathway to explore. Number eight, Leonardo enjoys philosophy. Number nine, a strong work life balance is very important for him because it gives him the opportunity to volunteer with organizations he cares about, like helping immigrants. Number 10. He's a big fan of Gandhi, and he shared the quote, Adaptability is not imitation. It means the power of resistance and assimilation. And I don't know about you, but I'd never heard that one before, and I really appreciate learning it. So thank you, Leonardo, for sharing your career story with us and inspiring us by showing what you can accomplish when you plan. Speaking of planning... Please plan on joining me and my next fabulous Mr. Guest on next week's episode. And if we are not yet connected on LinkedIn, let's connect. Finally, please check out the rescue organization Dogs in Brazil. They are changing the world for so many dogs, well, animals, and their families. Thanks again for being here. And until next time, be good to yourself, to others, to animals and the environment. And let's plan on jumping into the future together.